Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. We'll start off our 80s um, news, 80s nostalgia, with a tribute to the great Tina Turner. Passed oh, away Wednesday, the age of 83. I loved her. Everybody loved Tina Turner. Did you see the um, documentary on her? I think it came out last year. I I I didn't, but I made a note. I saw someone else refer to it this, uh, like in the last 24 hours. I think it's called Tina. It's HBO. Um, so good. I am going to watch that. I've I've always liked Tina Turner. I felt she just really transcended like a certain generation. You know, she's really just larger than life. So talented. So talented, so tough. I mean, her life story, where she came from, what she made for herself. She was one of those rare women who actually got like more beautiful and sexier the older she got. Um, yeah. Even in this documentary, you see her and she's, I mean, she was close to 80. She just looks, looked amazing. And it she like, of course, we can appreciate she sort of stayed under the radar screen politically. Um, I think she had actually was married to a white guy for I don't she know years, decades yeah so anyway a total legend uh 12 time grammy winner and the first black black artist and first female to be on the cover of rolling stone just sad end of a end of an era so rest yes. in peace tina we love you rest and we in don't peace. love anyone here really <laughs> so <Got> true <laughs> you can't get you can't get better kudos than a sign-off for Liz and Julie. Well, especially, especially agreeing on something musical. Yeah, <laughs> that's touchy for us. We That's like a no-go zone for us. Um, but rest in peace, Tina. We love you. So what, what a week. It's <laughs> only Thursday. And whenever I try and think, whenever we have our pre-show meeting, which takes place 45 seconds before I hit the record button when I remember, um, I'm always like, what's the news this week? Because there's always so much going on that it seems like a Tuesday or a Monday seems like months ago. But uh, this is, we're recording this Thursday, so we're going to release the show Friday. And that means last night... Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Elon Musk showed us that Twitter Spaces is not ready for prime time. <laughs> Yikes. And really just a unfortunate, just nightmare of an announcement. Everybody knew DeSantis was going to announce he's running for president. No one was surprised. Um, and at first, when when it was announced that he was going to do it on Twitter spaces, he wasn't going to do a, he wasn't going to do it on Sean Hannity or, um, you know, hold a press conference or something or run out the national press club. You know, he was going to do it on Twitter spaces, which I thought was a great idea. It's disruptive. You know, it's kind of a cool thing. Like you're using a new medium, like the future, you know, cause cable news is pretty much dying. Certainly Fox is in a lot of trouble. So, that was interesting. And then I was waiting all day for it because I'm a loser. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, are <laughs> highlights of my day. That's what a highlight of my day is, is a political event. And I know, Julie, we were chatting while it was going on with our little secret group of important influencer friends. Very and important. Very important. So secret. important. And mm -hmm. we were like, what in the hell is going on? I never used Twitter spaces. It's kind of new. I think like. It's an Elon thing. It's new. So I didn't really know exactly how to use it, but neither did Elon <laughs> because it was just, it was awful. They couldn't keep it stable. It kept shutting down. Nobody knew what was going on. It was, mics were cutting in and out. Oh, finally, we got the announcement. And as I say that, I'm speaking as a political professional who's worked on probably a hundred different campaigns you never get a second chance to make a first impression and that was not a good impression so julie what are your what was your what was your thoughts last night i was i thinking, mean share them with our i know them so but share them yeah. with our listeners yes thank you <clears throat> thank you liz um 
about two minutes into Ron DeSantis's scripted um, monotone speech, I thought, wow, they might have been better off if they did not relaunch Twitter spaces. And <laughs> he didn't have the opportunity to do what he did last night, which um, I think was uninspiring. It was very robotic. It was filled with like cliches and platitudes about the big, you know, the whole enchilada. And, um, and I mean, David Sachs is a great guy. Obviously, Elon Musk, big fan of what he's done with Twitter, trying to transform it, making it a fair, open public square. But everyone was sort of flat. And when you're going to kick off something like this, and you and it's virtual, you have you have to sort of transmit some energy, right, to the people who are who are listening. And I compared it to a think tank panel, which is fine. And everyone's like, well, I'm sorry, you don't appreciate policy discussions. Yeah, I do. Of course I do. Um, there's a time and a place for that. But this is not this is not one of them. So I I thought it was a mistake on many levels. I like Ron DeSantis. You know, I have a place in Florida. Um, my daughter goes to school down there. I think he's a great governor. I think he's done some very courageous things. But that does not translate into presidential material. We've seen this with other governors. I mean, the most recent example people keep bringing up is Scott Walker. Yeah. Uh, he did very bold, courageous things in Wisconsin. That does not automatically translate into being a president. And I just don't think I I, I think it was flat footed. You know, I was thinking <clears throat> last night and I'm also a DeSant Ron DeSantis fan. And <clears throat> I think every governor should follow his lead. You know, I think he yeah. he understood the assignment, as the kids say, like he was he's a great governor. But we now where we are culturally, the line between news, information and entertainment is completely blurred. OK, I mean, it's been going on as people have used more and more mediums that aren't just the evening and morning newspaper. I mean, remember, in the olden days, you know, you'd get the morning newspaper and then there'd be the evening newspaper. And that's how you got your news or you'd watch one of three horrible st stations. Now, um, you know, then there's TV, then there was cable. So there was more options for getting information. And now, of course, you just have the Internet where people get news from sites I've never heard of and people get news from sites that aren't even news sites, right? I mean, I will say that this morning, People Magazine had a hit piece on Ron DeSantis. I'm not kidding. So as we blur, as the line between information and news and entertainment is blurred, whether through places like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, you, it's not enough to be just like an austere policy person, um, especially for president when traditionally it has been very personality driven in a primary people tend to vote on job performance for their candidates when you have only high propensity voters come out to vote but in a general you have a larger electorate and now of course who knows who's voting since there's all this ballot harvesting going on um but you really do need to have be likable and personable you know, you want to be the person someone wants to hang out and have a beer with. And that's only magnified by the fact that Ron DeSantis is competing with the ultimate entertainer, which is Donald Trump. Right. He's the ultimate entertainer and marketer. So, um, you know, I enjoyed the conversation following the quote announcement, which was, in fact, very kind of he was obviously reading a statement but the conversation after with David Sachs, and I love David Sachs very much, um, you know, I thought that was interesting. But I'm a policy wonk. I'm I'm a dork. And so those are, the, like I said, those are the things that, you know, I find, I find interesting. But for a presidential candidate, you really need to have more charisma, likability, um, relate someone that people can relate to. And I think that that's important. So. You know, we just live in interesting times. So I give kudos for this sort of disruptive uh, way of announcing that plan. But also, if I were DeSantis consultant, I would tell him not to do it because it's never been done before. And you do not want to beta test something that important, you know, 
where, you know, we heard a lot of excuses. Oh, Elon has 100 million followers and Twitter couldn't handle it. And there was too many people listening. Yeah, you just you just can't you can't do that because now the 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 news today is about this fuck up. And it's not about DeSantis's platform. It's not about DeSantis as a candidate. It's that DeSantis's campaign stumbled out of the gate. So, right. And I mean, to your point, you, there is a likability factor. There's a warmth factor. There's a connection factor that a president has to have. You know, you've got these magnetic personalities. Just look at the last few presidents, not George W. Bush, but certainly, you know, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Donald Trump. I mean, if you put DeSantis and Trump on a stage together, I mean, not despite what nonsense might come out of Trump's mouth, you know, he still has the ability to somehow translate his success to how this can be your success. What I keep picking up from DeSantis is he's just bragging about himself, which is fine. Trump does that more than anyone. Bragging about himself, his success and winning. That's great. And there's no doubt he has had tremendous success. But you also are in a pretty easy environment to do that. And that's you can't argue with that. He has a super majority of the Florida legislature. I mean, he won in 2022, you know, when it was not this red wave. Um, but he also had kind of a clowns for for competitors um, and, and he should have been rewarded for what he's done. Um, but also, how do you translate that? There has to be more more anecdotes. You know, that's what Trump is sort of good about doing. There was very little about how he can translate that into people's direct lives and in, in, in a convincing sort of way. Um so I think that that is going to be a big problem. And look, we we know and we've debated this in our in our group chats. It's not just his public persona that is sort of off putting. And it's it, it is off putting to me. Um, but he also has behind the scenes issues. And you hear this from people, from donors who won't get their calls back. I've heard this from one of his biggest donors personally. They can't get a call back from him or a staffer will call back a top donor. Um, you know, he's, he's not, if you're not good at the glad handing in front of people, okay, at least be good at it behind the scenes. This stuff matters. I know some people who are big Ron DeSantis fans want to argue that that's not true. This is politics 101, right? We're not saying anything that isn't like uh, the basics of, of American politics, especially presidential politics. Um, and so if you don't have those little things behind the scenes, and you don't think of it yourself because you're an Ivy Leaguer, you're a military guy, you know, he's got all, he checks all the boxes on his resume, then you better have people on your staff or a spouse or someone who's going to be like, hey, Greg Stubbe, I think we talked about this, Greg Stubbe, who is a Florida congressman, one of your, you know, colleagues in the House, uh, he fell off a ladder and almost killed, almost died. You should probably give him a call or give his wife a call and see how he's doing. Like those little things matter. And I think that that is going to that could ultimately be his downfall if you've got both of those things that are not operating well. Yeah, you definitely have to have like the campaign business side of things nailed down. You know, you've you've got to have that the the business of running for president. Certainly nobody wants to turn away um, donors or not call back donors and Retail politics is just so important. Um, I think that goes back to what we were saying about DeSantis coming off as more wonky. And look, his pedigree is very sort of traditional D.C., right? He went to Harvard. He was a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He was a Navy SEAL. It's like all of that sort of elite level stuff that makes him not relatable to the average person who's suffering. And then to not have that warmth and agreeableness is a real problem politically and also the ability to kind of shoot the shit with your donors and cultivate them and cultivate loyalty. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know behind the scenes what's going on, what's going on with his campaign. I, I mean, I do know some of the people that are working for him. 
I know Christina Pushaw, who is his press secretary, and Brian Griffin and their comms department are going to work for the campaign, and they're both really good people. So I'm hoping things will get on track. I just feel like it's a kind of a unfortunate today. And you know Trump. Trump has spent more money going after Ron DeSantis than he spent going after Joe Biden. And, you know, any little stumble from him is going to get Trump is going to be able to keep pounding him with his stupid. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Trump's attacks on DeSantis or they're kind of stupid and juvenile, although his fans like them. But, you know, Ron DeSantis, that's just stupid. Um, you know, coming at Ron DeSantis from the left, that's also stupid, I think. That's my opinion. But, um, you know, you can't afford to have this big stumble this quickly. And like I said, the news cycle is just focused on this tech glitch and not ready for prime time. And, um, you know, again, focusing on DeSantis's sort of disconnection from the his electorate. But on the other hand, you know, you said something like he like when Ron DeSantis ran first time for governor, he ran against Andrew Gillum, who was, um, you know, was shortly thereafter found in a hotel room with a gay prostitute and a lot of cocaine and is being charged federally. I think he's not going to jail that recently. But anyway, not a good candidate. Let's just say that. And DeSantis barely won. But the second time he ran against um, Bill Christ, who was um, Charlie sitting. What? I'm sorry. sorry? Charlie Chris. Charlie Chris. Why did I say Bill Chris? That's someone else. And that's not that's the former senator, I think. Bill Chris. Yeah, I don't. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Um, It's my old lady brain. Um, But Chris had been governor of Florida before. He was this sitting congressman. I mean, this was no slouch as far as like name ID goes. And um, and there was not a red wave. And DeSantis beat the shit out of him. And he did that based on his performance. So, you know. In some I way, also think voters... they did tighten up their voting systems. I mean, so a lot of credit to him and, and others in Florida who yeah. they really improved election integrity in Florida. I think some of that preceded um, – well, it wouldn't have. But, I, I mean, I think that they did clean up their voter rolls and they had tighter rules than other states have. Right. And, and that's um... – that's critical. I mean, any governor who who really cares about doing something that has to be at the top of their list. And so, yes, there's no shenanigans in the Florida voting system. And also part of that is because of after the 2000 to give Jeb, please clap some kudos. He kind of straightened out their system as well. That's um, right. Because of the 2000 debacle. But I mean, DeSantis has also put some more um guardrails in place, including establishing like an election police force, like an enforcement mechanism, because there are scattered cases of voter fraud that crop up after every election. And it's just not treated seriously. There's almost no there's no incentive not to commit voter fraud. Really, these people aren't getting going to prison. They're not felonies. I mean, it's it's kind of a joke. So they did tighten that up. Um, But it's for some reason, I mean, people who live in Florida, a lot of people in Florida really do like Ron DeSantis. So he does connect with them in some way. I don't know if it can translate nationally because, again, Florida is not everywhere. You know, it's not Minnesota. It's certainly not California. And mm-hmm. um, but I do think that these culture war issues are super important. And he has really, I think, done a great job of talking about them and then just going after it after them. And, you know, I know people like they like Trump or they think it's funny that Trump talks shit all the time and on his true social or he did when he was the president. You know, I I, I have to say, I think Trump doesn't have a lot of accomplishments to point to, Um, like at the end of his four years as a presidency. You know, did did he advance the ball? Almost everything he did was immediately reversed in Joe Biden's executive orders. Um, So although we do have the Supreme Court, so that is a Trump thing. And he did overturn Roe versus Wade, which he wanted to do, and he got that done. That's fine. But we really need somebody who's going to be able to get shit done. And again, working with Congress is not the same as working with a supermajority in your legislature and Senate. That's that's absolutely true. 
But whoever gets that job has to go in there. And I mean, I don't even think I don't even know if it's going to be a Republican. I mean, because I don't know. We have so much vote. Our voting system is so whacked. I'm not I'm not confident that the Republicans or any of these campaigns or any of our small population of voting rights group or voting integrity groups have made a lot of strides here um, to overcome the weird voting rules that are the product of COVID that I don't even know if a Republican would win. But if there is a Republican who wins, they need to go in there and just start like, you know, cracking skulls. I mean, it can't be a joke. You, It can't be that your, your goal is to have a snarky press conference with Jim Acosta. You know, there are really major things need to go on in these agencies. And the president needs to work with Congress. And whether if that involves cutting off the funding to a lot of these agencies and programs, that's what it means. And it has to happen immediately. So. Um, So I think I will disagree with you a little bit about Trump's accomplishments. And I I think he did accomplish a lot considering what he was up against. I mean, I know you know this. I'm not saying this to you, but others who think that he's not. I mean, the first two years of his presidency was basically disabled because of the Robert Mueller investigation supported by Republicans, um, you know, who let who sort of let that happen. Um, but I mean, if you look at what happened with the economy, I mean, what he did for um, our country's natural energy production Um, peace in the Middle East, not getting involved in additional wars. I mean, there were he had a lot of accomplishments, despite obviously the Democrats and the media working just nonstop against him, but also most of his party. So, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to say the country was a lot better off in many regards under Trump's presidency than under Biden's. And to your point, because he has reversed basically everything that was accomplished under uh, Trump's presidency. So I will say that. Now, I have lots of other criticism of Trump, Not that, and we've talked about this. Personnel decisions were horrible, uh, and he is responsible for locking down, for initiating the, the lockdowns due to COVID. No, I mean, he destroyed his own economy, right? Like you're, yes, you're saying, did. and this yes. is true. We had a great economy. Gas was dirt cheap. We everybody you know unemployment record levels of low industry everything's great and then trump stepped on his own dick so i just want to point that out i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you so go ahead um so i mean i think it it will trump will have an easy he will have an easy time making the case of how successful his presidency was in the face of unprecedented um, opposition, resistance, resist. Remember that the resistance uh, that that he faced. Um, so I think that will be an easy case outside of what he, the disastrous, devastating uh, decisions that he made at the hands of Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci to shut down the country and, to your point, destroy his own economy. Um, but also, what you just said is very important. And if I were advising Ron DeSantis. I would tell him this. You need to acknowledge the uphill battle that you will have if you were president, that Congress, even with a slim, I mean, it has a slim Republican majority in the House right now. What is it? One one uh, vote, one or two votes. I think it's like six votes or something in the House or something. And then Democrats have, what is it now, 5149 in the Senate. Yeah. Um, This is not going to work in Washington, D.C. And to me, it comes across as a combination of arrogance and ignorance that he won't acknowledge that he is going to have a hell of a time as much as as bad as Trump had, because they're going to go after DeSantis like they went after Trump. And if the Republicans lose their slim um, majority in the House and God forbid it turns to Democrat control, I mean, they're, his life is going to be miserable, and he's not going to be able to do a lot of the things that he's saying. So I would like to see him well, But the same for Trump, right? But the same for Trump. You know what I mean? If <clears throat> They're both going to face the same problem if they go in and the Republicans lose control of the House and the Senate. You know what I mean? I, I'm not— Oh, right. I'm not— Yes. It, 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 but I, but I, I will— 
say, make this point in DeSantis's favor, which is that DeSantis has a much better understanding of the me- the mechanisms of government, which the Democrats are excellent at using and the Republicans are shit at using. And what I mean when I say that is that the Democrats are very successful at using the bureaucracy to further their aims, right? The things that they do in the agencies, the way that they create regulations and enforce them and actually make structural changes to the way that America runs, which I would argue is extra constitutional. But nonetheless, they they know how to do it. I think Trump went in in 2016 and he had no fucking idea what, excuse me, what he was walking into. He had absolutely no idea. Like the... The, as you say, the resistance, right? He, and I don't think he knew how to handle that to get things done at the agency level, the way Democrats are able to get permanent structural systemic changes in the way the government functions. And in for Republicans, including Trump's, Trump's um, successes, they were short-lived in the way that he stepped, he ruined his own economy. He didn't get into any wars, but now, you know, we're in wars now because of Biden. I'm not sure there was anything structurally he could have done about, done about that. But the I Democrats mean, but we would go, not be in this situation in Ukraine if Donald Trump. Oh, no, 100 percent. You absolutely wouldn't. That's an 100 uh, percent, no doubt. I there. mean, you know that. But, I'm just saying it. I oh, yeah. Say it My that point loudly. is that. <laughs> And I think you'll agree. The Democrats know how so much better how to use the bureaucracy to punish their political opponents. And the Republicans don't know that. And and Trump, being an outsider, absolutely had no idea what he was walking into. Now, has he learned anything? I'm going to say I don't know. But I do think (laughs) that's DeSantis. Generous of you. (laughs) No, I don't. I I don't. I don't know. But I I will say that DeSantis, having been a congressman and having been able to use his agencies in Florida to do some of this stuff, might know better how to do this. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just my guess. But that's so important is to to be able to go in and not just say everybody's against me. And, And of course, Trump went in and Congress was run by Paul Ryan, who is a piece of shit. And yeah. most of the Congress people are are weak and wimps, whereas the Democrats are always unified. Even their purple state congressmen, purple districts, um, you know, they are in lockstep all the time with the Democrats. Not the same for the Republicans. So he definitely faced th- those roadblocks. I think that even if Trump let's say DeSantis wins the nomination is the president. I think that there's more better people in Congress now than there was when Trump went, went in. Yes. Okay. And I mean, that would, that goes for, right. And that goes for Trump too. You know, obviously we're no Kevin McCarthy fans, but he does seem to be doing better than what we would normally predict from him. And we have excellent congressmen that are, some of them in they're doing better than expected. I guess that's the most generous thing. Um, and the, you know, they do talk a good game on Fox news, but you know, they, they do appear to be doing something more than they would have ever done under Trump, you know, when those, those kinds of Republicans. So we're getting some better Republicans in office, which would help a Republican president. Um, I don't know. I just I think, think it's that- so I want to oh, just go ahead. take a moment and commend you because I think that's such an outstanding point is that if Trump does win, let's just by miracle, if Trump does win, you do have much more aggressive Republicans in the House who are, I mean, you know, the ascent of people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's not an accident, right? And I mean, she was instrumental in making sure that McCarthy won the speakership. So he is going to have a a bigger mandate, not an accidental mandate. This will be a legitimate mandate. Um, Republicans who take, you know, in competitive primaries or who win, steal a seat from a Democrat, you have to assume that they will be MAGA-ish Trump Republicans. So I think that that is a great point 
And if Trump was listening, I, I would steal that from you and also make that point to, to primary voters. So oh, yeah. I just wanted to commend you for your, your yes. brilliance. I mean, that's that. And I'll say again, like to go pivot back to DeSantis, I think you guys are getting a sense of like kind of where we are on this primary <laughs> situation, but just to pivot back to DeSantis um, and, and building on this point, you know, just. Santos used his popularity in Florida to help get people elected on those school boards that were going to stop the bullshit going on in the schools. And so that's the same thing that needs to happen now, whether it's DeSantis or Trump, because really either one of them, we're talking about basically an America first agenda, you know, that stands in contrast to all the other clowns that have thrown their hat in the ring, you know, the right. Tim Scott's, the Nikki Haley's, the other clowns who I can't remember. Did that guy in New Hampshire say he was going to run? Yeah, Sununu is going to run, right, John Great. Sununu, um, or whatever. Chris Sununu, I guess is his name. John well, Sununu's son, yeah. whatever. No Sununu, that's enough. Happen. That's all we need to we know. We don't even need to know. But but <laughs> we we are looking at an America First agenda with I think either Trump and and DeSantis, and that means that they both need to get America First officials elected as best they can to help them in in the Congress. And that was something that I think Trump had such I I think Trump was so, quote, out far from the mainstream in 2016 that the congressmen were terrified to associate with him because the, there's nobody who's who are bigger pussies than a Republican running for office. They're terrified of everything. You know, they don't want to step too far out of line. They kind of, a lot of them think they're just going to keep their head down. They're not going to make any bold steps. So they're certainly not going to identify with Trump, who was the dark horse, even to begin with. He was like a joke. You know, all of the media outlets propped him up because they thought he would be really easy to beat. And so anything that's like sort of out of the ordinary, these elected, these, these candidates are going to stay away from. I think that that's changed now that Trump isn't yes. not only is Trump not an unknown, but Trump's agenda, it was very popular, just like DeSantis's agenda, despite the mainstream media coverage, where now there's like a hundred of fake civil rights groups suing Florida because Ron DeSantis um, has passed laws that you can't have sexually explicit sh sh drag shows or anything really, you know, where there's children you know, that's a popular position. Um, so I think the America First agenda has been, um, and parents' rights agenda more specifically, have been vindicated. It's it's popular. And especially because the left is so cra fucking crazy now that people are, are waking up. They're like, this is so extreme. I don't support this, but the left will continue to do it. So I think that agenda has been vindicated and it's less risky for some of these elected officials to come out and say, we, su we support this. So I think that that um, speaks well for, I, I think the nominee is going to be either DeSantis or Trump. I don't know what these other fuckers are doing. I mean, they're probably just auditioning for something. None of them should get anything, by the way, if Trump or DeSantis is listening. Give them nothing. They're, they're, all, they're all cucks. We don't need them. But... But yeah, I mean, so, DeSantis does have an uphill battle. There was unreal clear politics. And I know you have already seen this. I think Trump's average is up, what, three points over DeSantis. And it has his lead over DeSantis has grown since late March, early April. And it would be hard to pinpoint exactly why. Um, but there's something there. So oh, I have an idea why. I'll tell you well, let's why. Well, let's hear it, Liz. That's what we're here for. <laughs> oh, I know. Pick me. Pick me. So I think, and this is going to be another huge, this is going to be a huge factor, um, and we can kind of pivot out of this conversation based on what I say back into your area of expertise, Julie, which is that the more Trump is attacked by the institutional bureaucracy that the left controls, the more popular he becomes. And I think he got... I mean, even I, who, you know, I'm I'm a skeptical, I'm a black hearted skeptic um, who doesn't have any emotions, really. Um, True. I, I 
felt defensive of Trump being ridiculously prosecuted by the Alvin Bragg in New York for some 30 year old, quote, fake what, crime or whatever you want to say it, alleged rape that took place in broad daylight that no one saw in Barney's. Um, and I think that I think that that gets I think honestly I think it it gets Trump more popular and there's going to be a lot more of that coming that's they're not done with Trump they're just beginning actually and I think it's going to get worse and I know you know it's going to get worse so Julie and so I think and this is something DeSantis is going to have to face the more the institutional bureaucracy and the left beats up on Trump the more popular he becomes and that's indisputable and like I said even I like feel defense I get defensive of Trump because the things that they're doing to him are so insane that you just have to you just you just have to you you have to get on his side for for it I don't know what do you agree Julie no I I think that that's well said and it makes sense that that coincided with the Alvin Bragg um, indictment of Trump so the question is and you know this is where now I've been critical of Trump Publicly, I've been critical of Trump directly to his face when I met with him last summer. Um, the the silence of Ron DeSantis about what's happening in this Department of Justice related to January 6th defendants is inexcusable, especially since Florida has the highest number of defendants and now the most number convicted of seditious conspiracy. If Ron DeSantis doesn't think that the media the Biden regime are not going to tag him with that. They're wrong because they're going to. <clears throat> and so his silence on that and his brazen uh, way of pivoting away from that, you know, he gave an interview a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, well, you can't have this double standard of justice where, you know, the 2020 rioters or BLM rioters are treated differently than, you know, other protesters. He's got to find some guts and he better confront this. But I'm sure his team is advising him against it, which is very bad advice. So the question is, when Donald Trump is indicted by this Department of Justice, special counsel, quote unquote, Jack Smith, for both classified documents mishandling and January 6th, what is Ron DeSantis going to say? You know, how is he going to approach that? Well, in Florida, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to fly. No, he needs to come out and and it, like if anyone on the DeSantis campaign is listening and I'll make my feelings known in other ways, he DeSantis needs to come out and unequivocally attack the system for doing this. He cannot just be quiet and be like, well, my enemy's getting taken down. He needs to come out against the system. Full stop. And if he doesn't, that's a terrible mistake. Yep. I mean, it has to be more than what he did with the stupid Alvin Bragg thing. That's my that's my opinion, because that system is the the opposition to that. That ridiculous system is what's driving Trump's popularity to start with. And if DeSantis that's doesn't right. go against that, he's going to be lumped in with it. That's those are the two choices. You either go against it or you're part of it. And he has to. And there, of course, and the media will go after DeSantis to get that to do that like he can't like nobody gives a shit what Nikki Haley thinks but they will care about what Ron DeSantis thinks on this so he has got to come out and just say that that these bureaucracies are out of fucking control the deep state is out of control and it's outrageous to do that that's and you know for the Ron DeSantis fans and supporters and I do consider myself a Ron DeSantis fan as as governor and he just seems like a good guy and a good family man um Turning this back on Trump and saying, well, this is the system you didn't fix. This is the FBI director that you hired that you refused to fire, like throwing it back on Trump. It is a legitimate criticism. That's not going to work now. You have to explain how your guy, how Ron DeSantis is going to blow up the FBI, completely overhaul the Department of Justice, hold these people accountable for this selective political prosecution, not just of Trump, but thousands of his voters and supporters. Like, you can't have, you know, the the RDS uh, fans on Twitter being like, oh, tell me again who didn't fix the Department of Justice. Tell me again who hired Christopher Wray. That's old news. We already know that Trump's been criticized for it. We all understand that. What's your guy going to do? And yeah, that's something that, quite I frankly think that just, with the flat footedness of the 
of the campaign so far and the stale talking points and lack of energy, I'm not so sure that that's something that they're planning to do or will successfully execute when the time is right. I'm just a smidgen, not more smidgen more <laughs> optimistic on this front than Julie, just like a, t- a tiny, like make a pinch of salt level tiny, of more tiny. optimism that I want to think that they'll get this because DeSantis has got to campaign against this corrupt system of that the left has to prosecute its opponents. And he's a smart guy and he has to know that today it's Trump and tomorrow it's going to be Ron DeSantis. You know, he can't think it can't be eat me last. And again, Trump's popularity stems from his opposition to this deep state, which is a fact like, you know, the mainstream media and the super smart blue check marks or I guess that doesn't exist on Twitter anymore. But um, the elites, you know, made fun of, oh, there's no such thing as a deep state. No, we know it. It's we've got had there's like 100 different examples of how this is a fact now DeSantis has to completely oppose it and unequivocally and emphatically oppose it right right out again he or he'll just be he'll just be one of them he'll just be considered part of it and that would that's just a terrible gross mistake so I don't know I think I want to think that DeSantis I know I will say this I I listened to David Sachs has a podcast with three other people that are much less important than him called All In. It's actually a very popular podcast. They're just all tech moguls. Most of, I think all of them are tech moguls. They're all, David Sachs is like the more conservative one, but they're all really kind of smart. And it's a great, interesting podcast where they talk about tech and every now and then politics. David Sachs is really smart and he knows mm-hmm. what's going on and he is close to DeSantis. So and he does want me on Twitter. I just want to say he does. I love, I absolutely love David Sachs. If you're listening, David, you're my favorite bestie. Um, but he is a smart guy. He is a very smart guy. And he knows, he knows what time it is. And I want to hope that he will talk to DeSantis and say, because it's, it's not even who gets the nomination at that at, on this issue. It's not, is it going to be Trump or DeSantis? There has to be a uniform movement against the way the government's been weaponized full stop. Right. And the more people that are publicly visible that are railing against that and bringing it out to more people's attention, the better. So that's super well, speaking important. of that, I think this is a good way to transition to what's happening in the Oath Keeper seditious conspiracy case. Uh, nine members of or associates of that group are about to be sentenced, including one, two, six who were convicted of seditious conspiracy. First time Americans have been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Um, so <clears throat> the government, DOJ, Matthew Graves, the D.C. U.S. attorney, is asking for decades in prison for two of these men. Um, even though none of these people brought weapons to the Capitol, none of them assaulted police officers. They're not accused of even directly vandalizing the building. This is all based on free speech and entering a government building when they weren't supposed to be there, maybe shouting at police, no big deal, leaving. Um, But nonetheless, some of them have already been in jail for more than two years, denied release from custody under pretrial detention orders. So those sentences are expected to start being announced today by Judge Amit Mehta, who is one of the worst partisans on the D.C. bench appointed by Obama and is auditioning for his promotion to the D.C. circuit and certainly has visions of himself being the first Indian American to serve on the Supreme Court. So that's where we are today. To my point, Liz, four of these Oath Keepers, four of the nine, are from Florida. Two of the four Proud Boys convicted of seditious conspiracy are from Florida. So this is what I'm saying that I don't think DeSantis's team understands is when those sentences are handed down and Judge Maida allows the government to add on these domestic, these terrorism enhancements that usually are applied to, to foreign terrorists like Al-Qaeda, ISIS. Those are the examples the DOJ actually used in their sentencing memos. Um, that is uh, 
obviously it's a big, bigger political problem for Trump because these convictions are are helping to build a similar case against Trump uh, in special counsel, quote unquote, Jack Smith's investigation. I firmly believe that they will seek seditious conspiracy indictment against Trump based on these two, uh, the convictions in these two groups that they can easily tie to Donald Trump. Um, but it also poses this problem for Ron DeSantis. Aside from the political issue, it's really just a travesty of justice. I mean, to ask for 14 years in jail for a veteran who has already been in prison since February of 2021, I'm talking about Ken Harrelson, who was only convicted of three minor, excuse, yeah, three minor offenses, like obstruction of an official proceeding, which was a post-Enron statute. These are not violent criminals. They have no criminal record, but yet you have this vengeful, reckless, unaccountable Department of Justice throwing the book at these people simply because they protested Joe Biden's election on January 6th. So I'll have updates on that at American Greatness. Um, but this this reaches far beyond just the men who are on trial and going to prison for a long time. This has political downstream consequences for really for anyone running for office. So. I have a couple thoughts on this. I think um, if Trump, if they indict Trump for seditious conspiracy, I think that's a boon for him as far as the election goes. And I'm going to tell you a little story about why I think that. So go, let's go back to 2016. I did not start out as a Trump voter. I voted for Trump twice. And I did not start out as a Trump voter. I was a very late, late, late adopter. And the day I became a Trump supporter was the day the Billy Bush tape broke. Yep. Do you remember the Billy Bush tape? That's sure the grab. But this is a true story. I was in Vegas doing campaign work, and I wasn't a never. I was never a never Trumper. I just was like, ugh, okay, right. That was my attitude. I was like, all right, fine. And that story broke, and when the media got so excited about that. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, hell no. I'm now I'm buying the MAGA hat. I am a Trump supporter (laughs) because the attack on him, it was so ridiculous and it was so obvious the level of manipulation going on against this guy. I I was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. This is the Gen Xer in me. Like, you're not bossing me around. And that's when I that's when I was like, I'm buying the MAGA hat. And that was it. So yeah. I think if they do this to Trump, I think it's going to a boon for him, elector. I think people are going to be like, this is crazy. But I will say one obstacle on that is I think that the media is so people are so tribal now that there is a huge chunk of the population that has absolutely no idea what's going on. And because the there's no machine on the right like zero, the way there is on the left, these men's stories are only being told by Julie Kelly at American Greatness. And really to move public opinion, you need to tell stories about these people, who they are, you know, they're about their children, about their businesses, about their history, about they've never done anything like this. They're not violent. They, you know, got, got, pushed into a like physically pushed into a position people have no idea what's actually going on but i think i think indicting trump for seditious conspiracy which is just fucking outrageous i mean come on it's, it's coming though i i know I it's coming 80 80 percent i mean he'll be indicted no matter what on january 6th he'll get obstruction of an official proceeding conspiracy uh to commit obstruction of an official proceeding, probably tampering with evidence, all the charges that I've seen in these cases, high level cases. But the seditious conspiracy, especially if Judge Maida allows the terrorism sentencing enhancement today in these cases, makes it uh, the case that much stronger for Jack Smith to bring to a DC grand jury, same people who sit on the juries sit on grand juries. They aren't special, they're not legal eagles, right? They're, they're, they're progressive lunatics, like almost everyone in Washington, D.C. who lives there are. So this will be a layup indictment for him. But that is 
that that's what's coming. And to your point, the calculation, I know some people are like, well, of course, they because they want Trump to be the nominee. Right. I love this, like the old 4D chess. Well, yeah, the Biden regime wants Trump to be the nominee, not DeSantis. So they're going to charge him with these ridiculous counts like seditious conspiracy comparable to treason. It will rile up the base. They'll vote for him. And then Biden will easily uh, beat Trump uh, in November of 2024. I don't think that's it. I do think, though, that that the regime is intentionally stoking, trying to stoke more political violence by indicting Trump, seeing him (laughs) hauled off in handcuffs and possibly Liz. And this is the scariest part, seeking pretrial detention for Donald Trump, because there is a precedent for judges to keep people behind bars awaiting trial if they are charged with obstruction, conspiracy and certainly seditious conspiracy. You know, I think that is a bad calculation on the part of the left. If they, I don't think people, if they do the, all those things to Trump, I don't think, pe- I still don't think that people on the right are going to get violent. They're not going to get what they want in that regard. I, I just, right. maybe I'm wrong, but I think people have, in, in first of all, no one's going to do anything in D.C. <laughs> so that lesson's been learned. So right. nobody's coming to D.C. to do anything. That's for sure. Um, I don't I don't see people. I mean, the left has such a cartoon image of what a Trump supporter is that they're grossly overestimating what what action would happen. I don't think that people are going to they're going to start. I don't know what they think would happen or they think. Or do they think they're going to pull like Antifa style riots in the street? You know, I mean, that's what they want. Right. Right. They want that. But I don't think that that's what I don't think that that's what would happen. I I don't know what would happen, I think. But I do think that it would help Trump because it would because and and again, not something I'm accused of often. Perhaps I'm being too optimistic, but People do have a sense of fairness in them, not the nutty left, the 10 percent or 15 percent of the people that are just, it's a, you know, that you write them off. They're lost. People do have a sense of fairness. They may not like Trump and they may not want him to be president. Do they think he should be locked up in jail? I don't. I mean, it's so overreaching, but I might be I, you know, I may be wrong on that. I don't I don't know. I don't. I'm just not sure what to happen. I know I certainly won't be violent. There'll be no need to come arrest me for any reason um, or well, do a SWAT it will just, raid. It will just take take the country to obviously a level where it's never been before. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. It it's it, it's it's almost like it's just beyond evil to 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 do this to foment this level of civil discord and unrest intentionally to maintain power. But really you almost, I almost think they have to have this plan because how in the hell is Joe Biden going to win an election? That's right. Yep. I mean, I can't even believe they're going to run him again. I mean, look, he's old. He has a perfect out. He could say, Hey, you know, I just came in to like stop the Trump bleeding and now it's my turn to leave. And I want to hang out with Hunter's, illegitimate children and and Rehoboth, which is kind of what he does anyway. And, you know, he could do that. But he's going to run again. I mean, how can they think this guy has been uh, he's been a disaster on every, you know, people are way worse off than they were even before Trump. They're <laughs> worse off in every in every regard. Right. How they think this guy who's, you know, they could hide his cognitive problems during COVID, the fake COVID campaign where he could never go anywhere because it was too dangerous because of COVID, people can see it now. I mean, you can't really hide that he's like a bumbling fucking fucktard. So how are, how is he going to win? I mean, this almost is like the only thing they can do to get Biden across the finish line. <clears throat> right. Exactly. So, um, well, we're we're going to know sooner rather than later. There was a report in The Wall Street Journal that Jack Smith is wrapping up his investigation into the classified documents 
uh, case, which will not be a classified documents case. It will be an obstruction of justice case um, because Jack Smith has interviewed everyone, pretty much everyone who works at Mar-a-Lago, including maids. I think they subpoenaed the security company asking for months of security footage. Um, and then, of course, they got um, some of um, his attorneys, Evan Cochran's notes and promptly leaked those to the media as well. So they're trying to create this idea that there was even a dispute between Trump and his attorney about how to handle suspected classified documents. I still don't think that that the that DOJ has a case for classified documents because of the 13,000 things that they stole out of Mar-a-Lago, they later had to admit that around 100 of them had classified markings. So this will be but an Trump obstruction. Trump has case. classification authority. The president has always been the ultimate classification authority. If he says it's unclassified, it's unclassified. There's no there's no other place to go to get, get a thumbs up. You know what I mean? He doesn't run it by anyone else. He's the ultimate classification authority. That's very clear. So I mean, that doesn't mean they're not going to charge him with it and they're not going to do it, but it's it's obviously ridiculous, just full on ridiculous. Well, Sorry. it will be we'll be finding out soon. My guess is that the indictment for classified documents will probably come in June and then the uh, January 6th indictments will come July, August ish. Terrible. All right. So let's move on to one other thing. Cause it's almost time. I'm trying to think there was a couple of, well, let's talk about Target because that's like in the news right now. It's hot. Um, yes. Pride Month is soon. Happy Pride, Julie, I guess. Wait, is there Pride say. Month? I feel like it's just Pride Day every day. Julie, but, okay. it's I'm Pride sorry. Month in June. You, you're, you got to get with it. <laughs> June is Pride Month, okay? And so all I don't the corporations, have kids in public schools anymore, so I, I don't know these things. <laughs> Well, it is. It's Pride Month. And that means all of the corporations and businesses and stores are going to be gearing up to stumble over themselves to show how fucking woke they are. And Target got it, itself in some mess because they have Pride merchandise, which I don't think anyone gives a shit about, like, your Pride merchandise. That You can buy that anywhere at any time. That's Nobody's complaining right. about that, but right. they have pride merchandise geared to children. And that is a problem. And I, I see a lot of these dumber dumbasses on the left kind of contorting because everything is bigotry and hate for them. But people really, I don't, I think most people don't care if someone's gay and I don't think they even really care if someone's trans, but what they care about is the kid stuff. They do not right. like the kid stuff. Right. And this is going on at the same time as they're trying to sort of normalize what they now call what we used to call pedophilia, but they now call minor attracted, like a minor attracted person, which is just a new name for a pedophile. So Target has this stuff that is geared to kids and including like a tuck friendly bathing suit. Yeah. What meaning you're a right. trans man. No, you're a you're a boy, but you have a penis, but you think you're a girl. But if you wear a girl bathing suit, everyone's going to see your junk. <laughs> and they are making special bathing suits to hide your junk, um, which is fucked up. So there is a backlash on the kids stuff. And I read that some some Target stores are moving the merchandise. I guess it was proudly as is fitting on pride month proudly displayed in the front of the stores and in some places they're moving it to the back um so that's one thing and it turns out that oh, that's the designer, a little victory i guess little, yeah but the 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 other big issue is that the designer who made this pride gear is also like an open satanist <laughs> and very like pro trans kid. Again, it's the kid stuff. I don't care if you have a pride parade. I don't care if you're a drag queen. They've been around. That shit's been going on for many years. Nobody cared. But when you're targeting the stuff to kids, it's just gross. It's gross. And there's going to be a month, whole month of it 
a whole month coming up of these corporations trying to show how friendly they are. So now the other side of it is that Target, of course, was worried about their bad press. I don't know how dumb they are not to know that this wouldn't happen. And they don't want to have a Bud Light situation. And Bud Light is not recovered from their right. Dylan Mulvaney campaign ad. Um, shock NASCAR fans don't want to drink a beer with a trans whatever on it on the can with so a they man don't want a, dressed as a as a 12 year old girl so right in yes. pigtails squealing around yeah um no they're not fans of that and so target doesn't want to get like doesn't want to have the same problem however now target has another problem with this with which is the the erroneously named human rights campaign which is supposed to be like some campaign for human rights but is just another tool of the left to call people bigots and racists when they don't do what you know they don't tow the progressive line now they're mad at target because target <laughs> is you know trying to da doing damage control um about this kids focused pride clothing line so these corporations are really in a rock and a hard place now because this is going to keep happening because the fact is that you know, you saw with Bud Light. I mean, Bud Light sales are down like 30%. I think they're giving it away. And now Bud Light is being forced to buy their beer back because nobody will buy it. That's right. just going to keep happening. The fact is that it's a very small number of people um, who are on the side of the human rights campaign. You know, this is a very tiny bit. And in many cases, in a lot of these companies' cases, not even their market, right? Not even the people who buy their products. But there's a lot of people who do go to Target. I, I don't really shop. Do you ever shop at Target? I'm not a big Target shopper. I did when the girls were little. I did um, because you could kind of hit like you could get everything there. Groceries, you know, little clothes, paper towels, yeah. you know, whatever. So I did. I, I have not been in a Target, though, in the last few years. So but that was our big school supply shopping place. So but no, no I longer. Just, no longer. Yeah, I just. Not for any particular reason. I just don't. I just it's I know some people are like super culty about oh target this target that. And, you know, they do have cute clothes and they do have like nice housewares and stuff. But I just, you know, I just I don't shop there. But there's a lot of people that do shop there and they don't they don't like this. And that's going to hurt Target more than the human rights campaign, like getting angry at Target. However, there's much more at work behind the scenes here, which is that Target, like all these other corporations, need to get like a good DEI score um, exactly. or else they'll have problems with the investors. And that has to do with like BlackRock and State, State Street, I think, is another one. And Vanguard, all these big companies that own chunks and invest large chunks of money in businesses. So they have to do this in order to like, you know, keep investors right. happy. It's It's a bit of a mess, but. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to end either. I mean, a lot of the, I think Target's going to lose a lot of business. People are really pissed off. What do you think, Julie? I mean, I think it's a good sign. I think what happened with Bud Light and now some capitulation from places like Target uh, is a good sign that when you're you focus your energy and you follow through on it and you actually do boycott, it's our turn now to boycott these places. Uh, obviously, it's successful on the other side that um you know, it, that we can be, that that we can make things work. So I think it's a good sign. All right. I agree. So anyway, well, that's our Memorial hour. Day weekend. So that means I know. summer is here. Yay. I love summer. Oh, it's so hot. And well, it's nasty here in D.C. too. It's super humid. My hair gets super big. It's like huge. <laughs> I have massive hair. But yes, the summer's here. Barbecues. If you can afford to barbecue in the Biden economy, Godspeed. Um, Go jam not, out to some Tina Turner this weekend. Yeah. Remember the good old days. And check out, that, uh, check out that bi uh, biography. It's awesome. Oh, I totally will. And also, we have to mention the three years passing of St. George Floyd. Yes, I saw that. I'm How shocked. are you going to I commemorate? <laughs> How are I'm you going, going to commemorate, commemorate that? By not ignoring it. Um, you're not going to, I'm surprised they're not making a bigger, see, I guess they're busy with all the other g crap that they're 
pulling. Also, well, now the BLM is bankrupt. I guess we're we're done yes. with shtick. <laughs> what a what a con! What a con! Right? They they raised billions of dollars, but at least the I know. dumb donors who gave them money have the satisfaction of knowing that they put a black square up on their Instagram account to show everybody how fucking woke they are. Also, this weekend, the series finale of Succession. For those who watch, Julie and I both watch. Oh, yeah, I got to catch up. Yes. Yep. You got to catch up because I don't even know how it's going to end. I I don't. I mean, the best ending for me would be like just a meteor just killing everyone in Waco. Royce. What is it? Roy store Waco. Wait, wait, whatever. Waystar. Royco Waystar, right? Yes. yes, I don't know. Correct. Whatever their company is, because that is a show where not a single person is likable. They're all horrible. (laughs) Exactly. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to end, but I am excited for that. So have a lovely weekend with your family. Maybe have a barbecue um, and take it easy because you deserve it. And Julie, will we be back here next week? We will. All right, we'll be back next week. So we will see you then. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.